Hello my friends and welcome to I believe episode 9 of the Council of Fans podcast and in today's video as you can tell from the title we're going to be talking about something that we haven't actually talked to or touched upon in the podcast so far which is the villains in the show and how evil might be portrayed and as usual we've got the band back together minus one but firstly starting off with Ken hello my friend hi also joined by Penguin. Stop. Who actually has... I've had a lot of people contact me asking when he's coming back. He's missed like the last three now. <laughs> and then we're going to Nikki. Megwanen. Lovely as usual, that Elvish. And finally, Enzo. Hello, everybody. And we are missing the biggest villain of all, which of course is Tolkien Tube. But yeah, so... Of course, as I said before, we're going to be talking about the villains and evil in the show entirely. So we're going to be mostly covering the entirety of the Second Age. Of course, there is no confirmation of what period of the time period of the Second Age that we are going to actually see. But yeah, let's get right into it. And of course, when we talk about villains, the first thing we talk about and mention is the Lord of the Rings, a.k.a. Sauron. So yes, I know. Who wants to take this one away first? Ken? Okay, sure, I'll take it. Um, Sauron is, well, he's the main antagonist of every Tolkien story that is in First Age. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's very natural to expect that he would be the main villain of really any story that Amazon will choose to tell across its entire, you know, kind of... You mean Second Age, yeah? Yeah, I mean, any story that they mean to tell in the Second Age would have Sauron as the main antagonist. Um, yeah. And, and it makes sense because, you know, in terms of all of these properties forming one cohesive whole to some extent, all the movies, all the shows, one part of that is the the having the same central conflict across all of them that Sauron is the villain of all of these entries, this show, you know, The Hobbit with the Necromancer, Lord of the Rings, that creates a sense of unity that is very important, I think. Um, yeah. And then with Sauron, of course, we don't know what version of Sauron we're going to see first, as, of course, we have around the early Second Age, actually around from the year 1200 of the Second Age, Anitar, the Lord of Gifts, and I think is right to go from one Lord of Gifts to another, Lord Penguin of Poppins. What do you think of Lord Anitar? Okay, we can move, move that question on to Nikki. He might be having some technical difficulties. Yes, I was an oh. ID10T error. I, w I was muted. Uh... <laughs> So I was going to say the question with uh, Sauron and Anatar. I mean, that's really comes down to is, do we know who Anatar is? And that's going to factor into his portrayal. I mean, of course, Sauron's a villain. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of the structure of this show uh, all comes down, especially if we're talking about that earlier epoch, comes down to how is Anatar portrayed? Do we is he is he a is he a known factor or is this going to be a big mystery and twist? Yeah, it is interesting seeing how um, Amazon would do that because if I think it makes sense if 
Sauron is going to, I mean, Anatar is going to be revealed as Sauron at the end of season one. Then, Nikki, do you think it makes sense to make it seem to the viewer that we don't know Anatar is, in fact, Sauron for the entire season? And it's only just going to be for one season in the end, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I don't really know. I'm not sure how I would like them to portray him. I would love to see sort of a more milder, more deceptive uh, in a way, more human um, villain at the start. That's what I would love to see, because I would love to see how they do that. It's like in Harry Potter with Voldemort, how you see him really young, and then you see what he became. It's an, it's just an interest, in, interesting thing that I think they can use to their advantage. But um, you actually said something that made me think a little bit. Um, I can't remember what it was, but a potential way they could run this is by starting with the end and then going back at first in flashbacks and then like you know how some series show like the beginning and the end uh in reverse sort of so you'd see what he became and then later on see where he came from i'm reminded i'm reminded of a comment on reddit from months and months ago and it says, oh, sh how should the show begin? And it starts with Isildur floating face down in a river saying, well, I bet you're all wondering how I got here. <laughs> well, um, I would probably hate that. Um, yeah, oh, I, but I in, a, in yeah. an entirely different world, that would be quite funny. <laughs> so basically, it all started when Melkor started singing off. Off key. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think the main thing around Anatar is that could Amazon for multiple seasons contrive convince all viewers, talking fans and general fans that Anatar is not Sauron until a big reveal? Do you think that is no. possible? No. 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 Not no, in there, a million there, years. There's no there, way. There is this thing called the internet which would kind of ruin that. But yeah. But, there, I mean, they could, they, they could get away with it for a couple of episodes, maybe even a season. And I think that's something, you know, you could consider doing. But I think there's far more tension derived from a narrative in which we see this guy that we know is bad manipulating everyone around him. Honestly, yeah. if Amazon could control every single Tolkien knowledge person in the world the way they seem to be controlling their marketing at the moment uh, there would be a chance they could do it but i don't see that happening no like would be, people would be will spoil good, it would be a good reveal for like the end of the pilot that's, yeah that's you like... but don't you think you would know straight away like everybody who's read the source material know who sauron is and uh, you know, there, there's just no way they could keep it hidden. What would be cool is how they do it, how they portray him, and how they uh, eventually, how they make him reveal himself to everyone around him. You know, the but way that they do that is what is important. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. When you factor in, yeah, when you factor in the number of people who have read unfinished, uh, we won't be the majority. Like, I don't think I don't think there are ten millions of people who have read unfinished. Of course, there will be people who will spoil, but uh, I think that spoiler spoiler threads will be whether in Twitter or wherever they will be tagged as spoilers. So people who don't want to spoil themselves the show 
and they are the majority they can uh, they can really go with it and never never get never get guess who is true who truly is anata until the until the the last, the last few episodes before he reveals himself yeah i, I mean i mean how surprise okay come on let's let's be real here uh prior to this show i'm sure a lot of people are going to say oh this is coming out i you know i may watch i i should probably watch these movies to catch up cuz plenty of people do that with all sorts of other franchises and uh, so the moment you know so let's say they're keeping it a secret the moment this guy says hey you know we'll fix all your problems making some magic rings everyone's going to figure it out it's I mean, not going to be there it's is not Tolkien wikipedia so uh and it basically lays out the entirety of what happens in all of second age you yeah. don't even have um, to read unfinished well, tales well, for yeah. Silmarillion. You, you, so. All you have to do is well, wait until the sure. guy says, "Hey, magic rings, sure. let's make them." We're like, "Sauron, Sauron!" I can see the memes yes, yes. with Leonardo DiCaprio think... sitting right there on his couch, pointing at the TV. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I agree with you. With you, but at that point, we are already. I think uh, at that point we'll be already way into the narrative. I'm more talking about the first episodes, the first season, because Anata, Anata doesn't barge, but doesn't barge in and starts the, teaching them how to make rings. He, he makes he he will meet with Gilgala, they will meet with Galadriel, he will meet with Galadriel. They will he will he, he will need to cause. A, Tolkien says that Anata causes the the Gwythimir die. That that will take some time for for them to warm to warm up to him he won't just come and say yeah let's do these magic these magic mm -hmm. rings he will have to prove himself yeah. so there is i think there's just far more and, uh, attention and value to be derived from see a noun i just think there's far more tension and to be derived from watching people interact with this guy who yeah sure they may trust or they may believe him in implicitly while we know that he is not what he seems, and he's actually a really bad dude manipulating the hell out of everyone around him. I think I that think is far more. That should be, yeah, that should be the what? case. They're I think going... they'll do it. I think they'll just do, you know, it will be like at the end of the pilot reveal, yeah. you know. I think this. If Sauron, is, if Sauron is introduced that early, he might not even be introduced that early. You know, he might come in I a little yeah. later. But, um, like, it's not going to be like he's not going to show up with, like, dark fog around him and all this creepy oh. music happening, you know? It's going to be just any other person that you instantly get a bad gut feeling about and you're just like, oh, I don't like him. I don't know what it is yet, yes. but I don't like him. That sounds like, my that sounds like my dating life. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, but I think this raises another question, in fact. Actually, another, nobody. Yeah, another debate, which is... What happens if the show is all released, season one's all released on one day, so people can binge watch it, and then instead of it being released weekly, then wouldn't that take away the thing of all oh, spoilers, all oh, people know it's Anita, etc. If Amazon are able to make it convincing that Anita might not be sound until, I don't know, maybe episode seven, episode eight, could that be a scenario as well? I doubt they'd, be, I doubt they'd release it all one day. But let's suppose for argument's sake that they hide the identity of Sauron, in which case there's going to there has to be some sort of proxy rising threat that Anatar could be promising 
you know, to, uh, to help them with. I mean, we know from reading all the extraneous material that the rings are supposed to be tools of preservation for the elves, by the elves. But even, but you know, we've also known from those same materials that they recognize something with some, a new power was rising up as early as, I don't know, year 700, 800. No, uh, you know, where, whenever that letter, uh, Aldarian brings back to his daddy uh, comes into play. Same thing. So I mean, this is, yeah. So that's seven hundred. That's seven hundred years before uh, the Rings of Power. Yes. Who would um, like to for maybe some viewers at home who don't fully know what Anatar did in the Second Age, fully around the middle of the Second Age? Should does anyone want to quickly go through the main events that Anatar did during around twelve hundred to fifteen hundred of the Second Age? Does anyone anyone okay. want to do that? Yeah, Enzo, go for it. Twelve hundred, he comes to he comes to the Eriador. He meets with Galadriel, Calibrimbol, Galad, Galadriel, and Gilgalad, and Elrond recognize him and shuts him off. Calibrimbol accepts him. Uh, they will cooperate together up until the fourteen hundreds, when Anatar teaches teaches Calibrimbol uh, how to to make the rings of power. Then he departs in fifteen hundred. And uh, truly reveals himself he as Sauron. Yeah, he truly reveals himself as Sauron during the 17th century. Once he reveals himself, Calibrimbor, in the meantime, has forged the three rings. And when he, when he, when Anatar does the one ring, he he, he understands that he has been uh, that he has been uh, well lured by him, and he sends the rings into hiding. At that point, at that point, Anatar himself understands that Calibrimbor has forged the three rings. He reveals himself as Sauron and goes on to, and march on to towards uh, Eregion. What that he destroys and uh, yeah. that starts the war of Elzon Sauron. That's I think, I think Amazon will massage kind of the early years because this idea of Sauron kind of loitering, you know, um, around Elvendom from what is it, twelve hundred till. Oh, 1450 something just kind of sitting around waiting for someone to take him in eventually Calabrian will does I think you know they'll, they'll kind of condense that a little bit it's the sort of thing that works well not even on the page it works well in a chronology it doesn't really yeah. work well in the story and the same thing like the forging of the rings themselves takes like a century I think um, yeah mm. not not I don't think it takes a century. <laughs> no, there's a there's a simple there's a simple think... cinematic solution that will get you past that issue of chronology. It's a little tool it's called a montage. I don't think I don't think you can make it. You may because in that montage you get like two kings of Numenor who who succeed in the like when you start. I think you have. Uh, you are you start towards the ra- the end of the reign of Ankalime, and when the wars uh, of Elzan Sauron start, we are with our uh, with our with our Minastir and the uh, Syriatan. Yeah, so, and so can I just jump yes. in here real quick? Yes, yes. Um, welcome Dorian to the podcast as well. Hello, my friend. So we he's has requested to come in before because he's really passionate, as we are all uh, around Tolkien's work. So yes. We're going to be talking about the villains in today's podcast, as I think I've told you already. So I just think it's interesting because you you've seen the movies, haven't you, Dorian? 
Yeah. It's like, I've seen them. So I never got into, like, Morgoth. Yeah, so we're just talking about Sauron at this point. So, what when you think of Sauron, what do you want to see from him in the show in the Second Age? Just from just like I'd a... like to see him uh, be able to like his rise to power and uh, but also have a nice build up to it where uh, the fans can like follow along with him and like uh, start to see the pieces come together. Mm-hmm. Because are you aware of um, the character of Anita? By any chance? Yeah, he is basically, that's what we're talking about right now. So, back to Hen. So, with um, Anita, so we've talked about how the many ways Amazon could do it, but I think we, let's go back to that big reveal now. That big what, reveal of Anita. Anita comes out as Sauron. I think I, I'm. Go ahead, Hen. I think you and I are on the same page. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Actually, people yeah, I, watching I don't this have probably. Much of an idea of how do it. <laughs> I think um, Penguin had an excellent thing. I saw. I saw. I think I read it once. Do you want to um, talk that out for us, Penguin? Which what what reveal that cold um, open idea? Uh, no, the one where you say like when he forges the one rings. Sauron and all of Middle Earth, and how the show could do it. So, so, an idea that I've toyed around with is, is you know, why not have give Sauron underlings? Uh, some way, one of which could be the the Phantom Menace, the false threat that people are rallying against, that he's uh, directing people to focus on. And uh, the I, the idea that I had is this could be another lesser uh, Maya under Morgoth. More than one, in fact. You know, why should Sauron be the only Sauron and one Balrog be the only guys that survive that? Other, you know, other, you know, lieutenants or sub commanders may have fled and survived and rallied around Sauron. Some of them may have been loyal to Sauron. Some of them may still be loyal to Morgoth had this idea that uh, Sauron actually uses up their potency in addition to putting a vast majority of his own power into the rings. Now, you know, of course, there's all sorts of, you know, issues with that. I, I can imagine the people, on, the fine people on Tolkien fans flipping their lid at that. <laughs> but, but, you know, we also, if, you know, we treat this as history, we don't know what exactly went on with Sauron when he made the rings. You know, so it's just it's just a thought that I had, and you know, I'd also want sense to have him have minions. Yeah, I've even, I've even thought that uh, I've personally always considered the Great Goblin and the Hobbit to be the last surviving bulldog, which is why his death pissed off so many of the orcs because because they're like, hey, this is this guy maybe to them is almost sacred or something to them, and these. Dwarves came, killed him, so they got to get their revenge. Kind of like how uh, the dwarves got their revenge for killing, was it Thrain or Thor? Either way, uh, you know, some of the, these figures have to be important to them. Thor, so, Thor. so, you know, giving Sauron minions like uh, Thanos had his minions, I think would be a interesting thing that they could do, especially if those minions are originally presented as 
Sauron himself or the key threat up until the reveal of Anatar, if they choose to go that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the problems with this is that later on we've got the Nazgul, and so you you will get to get you will need to get rid of this mire pretty quick, like before. before. <laughs> apart from that, apart from the fact that you will be breaching canon and exposing yourself to the eternal yeah. hate of uh, all Tolkien fans. You don't have to breach <laughs> this canon one goes to do this though. Um, you, he doesn't. They don't. Stalin's minions don't have to be like Maya spirits. They can be. I don't know. They can be orcs. They can that... be people that he turned, you know, like Easterlings, or even they Wathurim. Some of them. I mean, I mean the Silmarillion. I think uh, yeah, it's in the Silmarillion, or in the Unfinished Tale. No, no anymore. But in one of them, it's it's said that uh, Sauron sent emissaries to Gilgalad and Elrond. He didn't go himself because right. because he he himself was ba- was banned from it from uh, from the get go. He. He wouldn't stay such a foothold in in Linden. So, so yeah, he he did have minions. Yeah, and I think that's mostly um Sauron and the Anita aspect covered. But something that Enzo did pick up on is that moving on to the next one, which is the Witch King and the other Nazgul. So, Nikki, we know that from the start that the Witch King were actually. I believe powerful men. I believe one of them was even a sorcerer. Do you think Amazon could show the witch king before they were, um, and all the other Nazgul before they were decepted and deceived by Anatar? I don't know, but honestly, I would really love to see that. There is nothing more appealing than like watching normal people become corrupted by evil. You know, that's part of the important thing about creating a story is creating character archers and these people go from noble kings of men to mindless servants of Sauron like they're they're just they're horrible and they're monsters and they they do have some will but they are essentially mindless servants of Sauron uh slaves to their rings and slaves to the one ring so it would be interesting to see how they fall um into darkness I would love to see that, but I don't know if they will just skip that part because it's maybe they feel like it's not relevant to the story they wish to tell. I don't know. Yeah, it is really interesting if we will see the Witch King. Penguin, do you think there is a possibility where Amazon can have that storyline go down throughout the show? Because I'm sure already there's going to be many, many storylines in this like potential ensemble cast, etc. Yeah, I've always been interested in who the Nazgul were. And I think you have an opportunity to present the fall of the Nazgul as tragedy. Uh, I've had this idea where it's basically an inversion of the story of David. You've got this guy lowly being, ex- you know, accepts a ring from Sauron and he becomes great and powerful, you know, maybe even overthrows an impressively oppressive leader and in the, along the way starts the cult of worship of Sauron as king and god and the day that he finally fades and comes to the ring when he realizes that he's trapped and tricked and uh base is celebrated in his country as the day of his ascension to you know serve you know their god directly you know if done right can be interesting but, you know, who knows? We may may not even see this. Yeah, because Hen weren't originally, wasn't the Witch King a actual sorcerer as well? 
So could Amazon um, pick upon that? Yeah, that's it's part of the thing. He was the Lord of Numenorians. Yeah. That's part of the thing that's tricky for me about introducing the would-be ring race. Um, in terms of the chronology, the ring race appear much, much after um, the time of the war. Um, and since they're men, um, you would assume that they were men that were not around during the time of the war. Um, um, Amazon can play with the chronology there, I think. I don't know just if they would. I think it might prove a bit too unwieldy. For who these people are, um, ooh, I don't know. Um, I've always assumed that they would be Numenorians. A, a, a couple of them are Numenorians, that we know. Which it could is. be a challenge, like when you think of it, there are nine of them, and they would yeah. have to introduce all of these and their backstory and their family and where they are, they have their kingdom because they're all kings of men. Uh, would they? Would they have so, to introduce no, all they, nine if, of them? If they wanted to, they, 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 I'm not saying they have to, but if they wanted to tell the backstory of all of them, they would have to introduce them because they can't just go, here's this guy and he turned into this, you know? They have to at least do something to establish who they were beforehand. But if they well, jump straight into the Nazgul part, not so much. The idea that I had for the guy, or you know, it could be a girl. I have no issue with that because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, once you're an infated ghost spirit, <coughs> does gender or sex really matter? But, <coughs> excuse me, uh, once they go, you know, once that... Per person fades they're essentially summoned you know to the throne of sauron and when that ghost who's still recognizable to us goes there all of a sudden they find eight other beings just like them all kind of like all horrified wondering what happened but you don't exactly have any will will of your own left you can you basically the only freedom you have as far as action goes is how best to fulfill the will of sauron I suppose you can always just tell the story of one, one maybe two, and then have the rest of them meet them there. Like how the Hobbit did with all the dwarves. I think Ken, you yeah. can talk on that where you focus on like these main ones. They're just along as well. But I just yeah, but they're all together. The kings of actually the kings that's true. That yeah, the Nazgul aren't necessarily together. You know. Yep. That's, that's the yeah. And. Um, actually, Dorian, this is actually be a good question for you because you're, of course, a fan of the movies. Would you be interested, as just of knowing watching the movies, to see the backstory of the Witch King in the show? Would that be interesting for you? It'd be, and it'd be interesting to see how they uh, go about it. And, I mean, I I don't know much about them, but it'd be interesting as a fan to see where they where they take it. Indeed, and of course you can't, you don't know, I don't think you read like all the actual ways they could go for it. So yeah, maybe for just more casual fans as well, um, having, seeing the backstory of the Witch King would be interesting. And the Nazgul as well. But now we're going to jump forward uh, quite well, it's potentially I think a thousands of years to the downfall of Numenor. And of course we can debate whether we will see this in the show or not, there is... Of course, possibility that we can, and just we have no confirmation on how Amazon or what Amazon are going to show us in this show. So, but if we go near, then again we have Sauron in Numenor this time. I think at the same time we can talk about could we see any villains in Numenor? But of course we have our uh, Farazon. 
and I'm sure it sounded like Penguin, you were really passionate about this. So I let you go with it first. Ah, uh, no, I was just uh, really just trolling and joking around. Uh, obviously, Arpharazon is a bad guy, but I think it's clear that you know under the influence of Sauron, he's made far far worse. Uh, one of the things that I thought would be a interesting idea to do is to uh, launch the Great Armada actually earlier under the reign of uh, Tarpalantir. There's a and uh, and have Arpharazon and Illindil both being key commanders of the Great Armada. And it is under the influence of Sauron that Arpharazon launches his rebellion, sees the scepter, and marries uh, his cousin, right? So, you know, I mean, so it basically, so yeah, he's still not a great guy. But this way, he looks a little bit more sympathetic and a victim of Sauron. Indeed. And just because it's because we don't know what Amazon are going to do, and maybe pushing the timeline, I said Penguin back to maybe earlier Numenorean kings or queens. But, Ken, do you think there is a possibility that we... Um, seeing our Amazon... How, actually, this is a better question. How do you think Amazon would portray our Farazon because yeah go on um, you can do a villain that has you know that is somewhat sympathetic to the the audience and I think our Farazon is that kind of character um you know he is the villain of the story he's not really the, a, a classical case of a tragic hero he's a villain he's this what what you would call a sympathetic villain to some extent he gradually gets worse of course um but yeah indeed and Nikki, um, do you think actually I move this away from our Farazon now? Do you think there could be any possible maybe origin stories around, or not origins, but original stories around Numenor? Could Amazon potentially create some new maybe political villains in there as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to say in regards to origin stories, I would love to see the Nazgul. <laughs> that would be a great <laughs> origin story. But um, I think with the Kingsmen and with all of the the drama and the the horrible things that men do to each other because of their beliefs, um, religious, politically, uh, I think they can do a lot with that and actually bring up relevant issues that even relate to today, you know? Um, but it's it's interesting, uh, the storylines there with the, the King's Men, for instance, they're not really mentioned, like, by name, so they have a lot of potential in creating characters there. And even though the king himself, our Pharazon, uh, might not be as bad, just brainwashed by Sauron, he might uh, create all of these other men underneath him that are way, way worse in how they treat their fellow men. And uh, especially then I'm thinking about, of course, the faithful. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a lot of potential there to create some absolutely horrible storylines and some horrible villains that we haven't really heard about that can have root in Tolkien's writings, but haven't been elaborated on which gives amazon a little bit more freedom you know mm -hmm. indeed yeah. and of course that we can see as well that potentially the numenorians could be even seen as villains potentially as well due to their 
colonialization, etc. Penguin, what are your opinions on that? I mean, they came, they saw, they colonized, they were imperialistic. Uh, that's something, you know, I've long been hoping that they, you know, they have the option for a spinoff. It's always been my dream that the first uh, show is basically the story of the forging of the rings uh, leading up to the Battle of the Guathlo and the kind of immediate aftermath, you know, end of series and then go into the spinoff show later, which details the fall of Numenor and the Last Alliance. So one of the things that I've hoped that we could see through these two shows, through the passage of time, is the shifting attitudes. You've got Numenorians coming first to help. And yeah, sure, you still have the deforestation uh, in Eridor. And uh, but then later, but you know, that's, you know, they're not they're not intentionally trying to be dicks. They're just trying to get the wood. Then later, you've got them coming in and enslaving, colonizing, and they're basically no different than Sauron in the eyes of the men of Middle Earth. Maybe they, maybe their actions drive the men of Middle Earth into the loving arms of Sauron. You know, that could be an interesting dynamic. And yeah, I absolutely agree. There should be political differences between the king's men and the faithful, and you're going to need invented characters in there. Indeed, and you also, I like that, that I think, thing around having maybe the men in Middle-earth actually see the Numenorians as villains, and as I'm sure that we're going to be seeing lots of ori original characters, keep saying origin characters, do you think maybe in um, Hen in Middle-earth, do you think, or in Eriador, we could see maybe a, vil a men villain, it's quite, I don't know how to phrase it, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be, you know, even in the early events of the Second Age, before the Numenorians really become you know, real villains, before that, and they already have, you know, small conflicts with the natives of, it's not Eriador, is it? It's Enidwife, um, south of Eriador, um, the Gwathurim, the, the Dunlendings, the, the men that Saruman uses in the Two Towers, basically. Um... Um, and I think we will see the thing about the 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 Guathurim is that they they don't trust the elves inherently, so they you know you can definitely see kind of the potent potential there, Anatar to kind of you know kind of schmooze them, kind of send them to to his side, if only in sympathy. You're also going to have them kind of fighting a little bit with the Numenorians, and I don't think, if it, if it's done right, our sympathies won't be entirely on any side of the conflict. They won't be entirely with the Numenorians, who are already starting to colonize um, Middle-earth and um, deforesting um, it. And also, our, our, our sympathies won't entirely be with the Grathurim, which, you know, somewhat sympathetic to Sauron perhaps maybe they're not um, you know so um, mm -hmm. I think one thing they interestingly mentioned was the Grey Thyrum and of course this can lead us to Celebrimbor so who wants to tackle this one what what would should Amazon do around Celebrimbor a simple tragic hero tragic hero the uh, tragic starts with the best that become uh, starts with the, best start of, with the best of intentions. 
Is there, is there an the echo here? Because I think Emzo is just repeating everything <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to say. <laughs> hey, oh, you want him to talk? Yeah. Penguin go first and Enzo after. Uh, he was he he was already further ahead than me, so he can keep going. I can go for it. Okay, so as he said, he should start as to, uh, not really a tragic figure, but let's say a figure that is burdened by, by, by its past. He is the son of Kurofin and the grandson of Fenor, and he will have some... Let's say a bit of a hard time to make himself accepted. That should be cool. That should that would be cool to see because he's the last Fanorian and the Fanorians aren't a really good bunch. But as the story progresses, he should take on a more negative role because the that's what Tolkien towards the end of his life he was going to because that's when Tolkien retconned Galadriel as Lady of Eregion. He made so that Celebrimbor would revolt against her and oust her of uh, of the realm before claiming it as his, uh, as his own, which is a nice parallel to what his own father did to Galadriel's brother. But that's beside the point. Yeah. And well, then, then now, well, now you're drawing from, but then you're drawing from the versions of the story in which Galadriel is the is we, the mostest and bestest uh, bestest elf at everything, despite accomplishing very little uh okay so i just don't think she's that interesting as a character uh if they go down that route personally i'd rather Celebrimbor, yes be burdened by the history of the house of fianor and uh but be looking for a way to redeem them uh you know as an idealist he's looking for a solution to the problem that the elves are facing wants to you know achieve great renown in that process and sauron sees an opportunity to manipulate him to get his goals. So uh, whether that leads to the rebellion against Galadriel or uh, that's something else, well, I'd actually rather have Sauron be kind of pulling the strings on that. So Sauron can well, get the they can begin and begin the process. And then, you know, Celebrimbor thinks, okay, we got this. We can solve the great problem that are, that's facing the elves. And then, boom, he's betrayed. And when he ultimately... Spoilers ahead, gets killed. It's basically a tragic fall. It's, you know, his only hope is some sort of redemption and death, you know? Basically, basically you're describing, you know, it's a character arc that we've seen before. You're basically describing an elvish Thorin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but being an elf, he's, of course, much better than a hairy, stinky dwarf. (laughs) And, and just. Yeah, go on, and if yeah, sure. yeah, sure, I agree with you that, that there could be potential to it, but I still do think because even in the version where he, where he, where he revolts, he doesn't revolt on his own. There is an Anatar ingredient to it. It's, it's pretty clear that it's Anatar who, who pushes Celebrimbor down that road. And, and I, he, for, I, I, think, I think his, uh, his realization that he was betrayed would be much more powerful if he had if he had himself renounced his friends. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my opinion. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see what Amazon do around Celebrimbor. But moving on to some more controversial things now. Nikki, do you think there is a possibility for dragons or fire drakes or cold drakes? Because I'm sure Amazon would love to have a dragon or two in the show. Well, with their budget, I don't see why there should be any limits. 
but I don't know, like they would have to be prepared to invest in it for the whole eight or hopefully more seasons. Um, and where would they put them? I don't know. It could be interesting um, to see them being used as tools uh, for like evil, mostly. But I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't feel like that's really what Tolkien, apart from the dragon in The Hobbit, I don't feel like he didn't have that much yeah. of the sort of middle, uh, what is it called? Middle, middle age fantasy sort of styles. Um, but I would love to see it. Yes, it just keeps adding on to the magnificent world of Tolkien. So, yeah. I'm going to counter that. And I say, I hope we don't see dragons in this setting. The dragons of Tolkien are more than just monsters. They are cruel, sadistic creatures. They are charming. They are manipulative. And that, you know, they are a character to themselves. Think of Glorong. Think of Smog. Those are the two, well, no. There's there's one other named dragon, and Kalagan the Black, and he appears in a paragraph and is gone at the end of it. There's also uh, You forgot Yeah, Skatha. and... That's yeah, it. I was. I was, okay. Yeah, you're right, and that's how significant. That's how significant Scatha is to the entire setting. So, if they did a dragon, they would have to pull out all the stops to create a cunning, just absolute bastard of a character. And I just don't know how there is room for that in this setting. They could do uh, you, already, you already. You already I would have. like to see Shelob. Shelob is okay. She's not a dragon, well, but she's cool. Well, but Shelob, um, but Shelob got- in the books has no dialogue she's not a character she's more of a force like uh you know when we think of dragons i think a lot of us are thinking like game of thrones and those are just wild giant animals that can be tamed and shoot fire they're not characters per se uh so yeah i just don't i just don't see how they fit and uh you know it could it could work but more than likely they take the lazy approach and include them just because they feel like they have to not because it's I just, also, it's just, I just see it as too much of a challenge yeah, and too distracting well, to everything else. True, true. I think I remember being a humanoid story, you know? Uh, what was the first part of that, Hen? I was saying that there's something to be said about this story being only involving humanoids, you know? Mm-hmm. People that look yeah. like people, <laughs> not, not monsters, not fantasy creatures. Uh, aside, aside from the, yeah, aside from the fantasy <laughs> creatures. Elves, dwarves, humanoids, you know, people. Yeah, I know, I know. Even if they have long beards or pointy. Are, are you impl- are you are you implying that Glauron isn't a isn't a person? Uh, this is Glaurophobic. Oh I'm gonna denounce you. Dragon, dragon, <laughs> dragon phobic. I hope the dragon can listening do not get offended. Yeah, but Enzo, g- yeah. give us your original thoughts on dragons for the show. Yeah, I think I think they. The, there is possibility for the blue wizards to appear, right? Although, although it would it would be after the dwarf elves, or there will be some timeline shenanigans. But the blue wizards go to the east, and the east is the place where we don't know we don't know much about it. We just know it's full of easterlings and uh, eastern dwarves and avari, and even Sauron himself he dwells pretty much in Mordor and in Eriador and. He won't roam. He won't. Be, he won't be there. Having him there the, as the great villain would just be 
redundant. So we could have a dragon, not of the not of not of the scale, a dragon of the scale of Scar of Glarung, but then there is a dragon who is uh, acting there as an antagonist for the blue wizards and uh, and the men there. That could that's a place where I could see a dragon a dragon in the series. But apart from yeah. that, I I don't know everybody else. Yeah. And I just think, because of course all of us here who have just spoken are more like know about the lore and about what Tolkien would have envisioned, but Dorian, from a more of just a fantasy and just more general fan point of view, would you be interested in seeing dragons in the show? Would that appeal to you, do you think? It's an interesting uh, question, because dragons weren't shown very much in the movies, but it'd be interesting to see where they go with them in the show. So do you think that most um, just um, just normal fans, just casual fans, would like to see um, dragons in the show? I think they would. It, it's a lot of CGI, but I think it can be done. And I think yeah. people would really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think just to wrap up, wrap it up on um, dragons, I think that Amazon will have to find a way to um, fit in. They will not spend billion dollars on a Tolkien show and a fancy show and not put a dragon or two in there it might feel a bit out of place but I just can't see a scenario where Amazon don't really do that because they'll find an opportunity somewhere somehow to do it but now I think along with the conversation on creatures do you think we could see some Balrogs instead Is that... I would love to love to <laughs> But in saying that, they're not really that much mentioned in Second Age, are they? There's just the one who's buried on, who's napping under Moria at the moment. And will continue and to nap until something. And he won't yeah. awaken until the Third Age. Exactly. I think you kind of. No, I don't want to see them. Barrogs, Barrogs are serves two purposes in Tolkien world. The first one is killing somebody important. The second one is leading armies, like. And that's what, that's pretty much all that they do. They kill Fingon, they kill Gandalf, they kill Glorfindel, they kill Ectelion, and they lead Ar Feanor also, and they lead armies. So having them here, they would be just too OP. And I if think they would go against Sauron. Play a card like a Balrog. You'd want them to be pretty rare, so that would then, and they do appear in the Fellowship of the Ring. It's an event. That's where I stand. We could potentially see them as leaders of armies, though, like in like the Battle of the Alliance or the Last Alliance or whatever. Oh, like, they could bring in the big guns there. So, would they obey Sauron? Like, would they obey Sauron? That's a valid question. Uh, like, I, you know, my... oh, go ahead. I, th I think if, if a Balrog was really out there, he wouldn't obey Sauron, he would go against him. Like the only times they cooperated was was when they were all under Melkor's uh, supervision, and in Angba, in Angband when Sauron was in charge there, he was still in charge, but he was put there by Melkor. Now that Sauron is ruling alone and he doesn't plan to bring back Melkor, I don't see the Balrogs co cooperating with him. They, I, because they I, are... I think that's a kind of a simplistic way because. Sauron was always described as being the guy deepest in Morgoth's plans. Uh, if anything, I think of him as the guy sitting behind the throne running the empire for Morgoth. 
whereas Balrogs have always just seemed to be weapons, guys who just delight in destruction, who want to get out there and break stuff just for the sake of breaking things, uh, utterly consumed by the nihilistic spirit of Morgoth. So, you know, when it comes to it, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think a Balrog would be interested in becoming a dark Lord and sitting on a throne and organizing a domain. I think he's the, I think they'd say, Hey, you do this. Let me go out there and fight these guys and break their stuff and keep breaking it until nothing's left. Uh, that's my personal and personal interpretation. I actually, of that. I, when I read the Silmarillion, I always pictured that Gothmog, a Balrog, is actually um, Morgoth's second in command. I think it's, you know, it comes across like that in a couple of places. And in some of Tolkien's earliest writings, Gothmog is uh, Morgoth's son. So I always I, I more on the side of Enzo on this. And again, well, just, and and well, in uh, those earliest writings, Sauron did not exist. He did. Sauron, forget. Yeah, I mean that's a <laughs> so that's merging an element of. Uh, I mean, Sauron basically replaced the story, the character of Telvito when uh, he went back and started inserting Sauron into the first age setting. So it's, he, he can't. Right. Yeah, that's 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 one of the that's one of the challenge of using. But, you know, when you're looking at early writings and comparing them to later writings and so forth. I'm not. Yeah, yeah but mo- moving it back. Okay, anyway, okay. Moving it back to the second age now, because it seems like we are, of course, with happens of conversations. We're going a bit off track, but moving Balrogs back to the second age, just to wrap up. Ken, do you think it is possible? don't think so. I, again, I just... Maybe... I really don't think so. Um, because I think Balrogs especially are something that you want... To, it's a card that you don't want to overplay. You want them to, to be pretty special when they appear. And I really think it will just take away from the Fellowship of the Ring in a sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Also, if you put them in the battlefield against the Elves and later against the Last Alliance... I don't like the chance that the Last Alliance or the Elves or have, you know? It just doesn't belong. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. I like have, I, are extremely cool, but I don't know. I have one more thought. Uh, whether they're intending to put this in continuity with the existing films or Amazon wants to create its wholly owned Amazon Middle Earth uh, universe... The, one of the themes that we see with each age is decay. Uh, things are, you know, things get weaker, magic and power fades away from the earth. And so, you know, in the first, you know, the third age, it's pretty much mostly men against men and orcs. Uh, elves don't have too much to do other than offering advice. The second age is really the last hurrah of the elves as a strong, significant military, as a strong, significant power. Uh, whereas the, and with men giving equal weight, and in some cases the Numenorians might be stronger and more powerful than elves are. Whereas in the first stage, it's elves are, you know, the dominant fighting force and men are basically just a small cog in that machine. Likewise, Morgoth is a, yeah, Morgoth is a huge threat. He's got armies of Balrog, he's got armies of dragons, he's got all these Balrogs, lead, uncounted legions of orcs and trolls. Then the second age, Sauron follows in Borgoth's path as, you know, an echo, an imitation. 
And then in the third age, Sauron, when he returns, restores himself, is still a mere shadow of his former strength without the ring. So by that logic, we should not see Balrogs because then it would undermine their appearance uh, elsewhere. Especially because you know that's you know that Amazon would love to do the Silmarillion in some way if they can exactly. get the Tolkien to open. So yeah, you want it you want it to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Then even if you're trying to be consistent with the movies, you still want to have that overarching theme of sim- you know sameness. You want to be similar. So when you do see the Balrog, it's an absolute shock that oh crap, these things still exist in the world. I thought they've been gone for thousands upon thousands of years. You yeah, know, Aragorn didn't even know what a Balrog was. Yeah. Or I guess he didn't even recognize it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good wrap up on the discussion of mostly dragons, balrogs, etc. And I think just just to wrap up even further, just I'm not we're not sure what Amazon are going to do on that, but I'm sure dragon for the dragons especially they are hopefully looking to be they're probably going to be wanted to add them in some way, and as um, Enzo said, maybe going to the east, etc., and added in there could be a possibility. But to finally move on to the final um, type of villains we could be seeing, something that we haven't really mentioned at all, and I'm going to go to Nikki first. Do you think there could be a possibility where potentially we could see one through the dwarf somehow? Do you think we might see a dwarven villain? We haven't really seen a dwarven villain so far. Do you think that could be a possibility for Amazon? It, of course, would probably be an original character. I don't know. Um, as it, like you said, it would probably be an original character. So Do it's you think not it would something fit in, in a show like that. Because there'd be so much happening already. There is going to be there is going to be good and good and bad on every single in every single species because there are going to be some people that are going to take Sauron's side that are going to be um, somehow deceived by uh, Anatar somehow feel drawn to the dark side. Yes, of course. So sure, they could potentially have that as well and have uh, just to show you know the good and bad in all creatures. Um, but I don't know if it would, we would see a storyline of it. We might just see them in the army or see them near Sauron or around Sauron or, you know, something like that. Yeah, seeing a dwarven so, villain would be something different indeed, it would. And yeah. Scottish long... accent. <laughs> oh, oh, oh dear. What happens if the lead um, dwarven villain is Russell Crowe? Who, who would like that? I hear clapping from Enzo. Ah. Ah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the most like the reaction I was going to get around Russell Crowe. I mean, I've seen him, like I said, in his current form. I think he looks more like a well-known elf, and that elf is Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. It would have to wait and see, especially on Russell Crowe's part. But I believe we have mostly covered everything, um, villain-wise. We could, unless anybody wants to bring anything else up that haven't been that we haven't covered yet. Someone, I saw someone post an idea about a year ago of basically Sauron still working for Melkor and trying to commune with him out in the void. You know, I'm just not sure I like that idea because. It just seems too reminiscent of all these shows. You know, uh, there's the recent Justice League relaunch where you've got a uh, spiky armor guy communicating with Darkseid. 
being teased as the next villain. You've got Thanos being teased in the original Avengers, just, a, you know, that whole dynamic. And, well, we all know that Melkor doesn't come back. I mean, oh, yeah, he's foretold to come back in the distant future, but we're never, you know, we're never going to see that. Yeah, so we're never going to see that mm-hmm. battle. I hope we don't see that battle. So I'd rather Sauron be working alone for himself. And then even, and you know, yeah, sure, he convinces the Numenorans to worship Melkor, but in Tolkien's own words, he only does that because he, as a defeated guy, as someone that they beat and captured, he can't really make a good case for them to worship him. Indeed, and I actually, that is an interesting topic that you have actually brought up as well. Could we see flashbacks to Melkor or references of Melkor in this show? Do you think Amazon, first of all, would Amazon contractually allowed to do that or legally allowed to do that? Second of all, do you think it could be a possibility, Ken? Absolutely. Even Peter Jackson referred to Melkor at least three times. Um. So, yeah. He did? Yeah, he did. The Balrog is called Balrog of Morgoth at least but, but that, but that, But that's quoting a line <laughs> that Legolas says. I mean, he says that in the book, so... Yeah, 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 but you can use that name if it appears in the book. Yeah, um, exactly. Same like Galadriel yeah. calls um, Sauron servant of Morgoth. That is in the Hobbit. I don't recall this one. Yes. That's in the that's that in the Hobbit. Oh. So, yeah. Well, they could still talk uh, about him. Like I'll... we'll see him brought up in conversation, I think, but maybe yeah, not. Speaking of cult of Melkor. No, there's no way. Yeah, go on, cult. Speaking about the cult. Yeah, there was always something that I was curious about: is how much will how much will worship in Melkor affect the casual viewer if he doesn't know who Melkor is? Like, the whole reason Numenorean worship in Melkor is horrible and uh, we all hate it is because we know what happened in the first age. We know what Melkor did to Diedain. We know how he tortured Hurin. What happened to uh, how Baron how Baron uh, stole the Silmarine from him? how Barahir was killed, Gorlim, etc. We know a lot about what happened about them, and we 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 love these characters, and seeing their descendants worshipping Melkor is, uh, is, uh, is the biggest heresy you can think of. But if you don't know all of this, if you lack this, if you lack this, uh, if you lack this uh, what say, this, uh, the, this knowledge, the con- yeah, the con- if you lack this yeah. knowledge, you won't, it, it, won't, it won't hit you the same way. They are worshiping. Well, you, 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 they well, are worshiping there's, a, there's, a, there's an easy explanation. If you, if they do, if the show does cover that, then what you do is early on you establish the existence that uh, a previous dark lord who was defeated. You can call him by name, Morgoth, yeah. and then perhaps you could. And I think one of the reasons Melkor worked That's- in the Numenorean context was because. They only knew him as Morgoth because they said that the name Melkor was never spoken after the after Fionor named him Morgoth. So you know, so then all of a sudden, you know, Sauron comes uh, and proposes they worship this guy. I don't... But only down the line do you know they could, they they just have to establish this all through context and uh, clues here and there. Sure, but that's not my point. My point isn't about uh, worshiping a, an evil god is evil in and of itself and doesn't need uh, any any explanation. Like they, they could be worshiping evil is is an evil act. But what I'm what I am saying is that without without all that happened in the first age in mind, this act loses loses some of its uh, some of its importance and its impact on the reader on the viewer. Like 
I mean, but that's kind of how Lord of the Rings works. You you read it for the first time. You know, I remember reading think- it for the first time before the movies, and I didn't get all these first age references, and it was just kind of went above my head, or I recognized it as a reference to, oh, something that happened long ago. Then you read the Silmarillion, and you, you realize that, oh, crap, sure. Tolkien sure. knew exactly what this reference was, and then all of a sudden, and then when you read Lord of the Rings again, and you know the reference, you understand what this is talking about it hits you like a thunderbolt so this may not be that powerful this may not be as powerful now but if they do make the Cimmerillion which you would bet that they would want to do then it builds upon itself sure but the thing is you don't the Lord of the Rings was published before the Cimmerillion so the the Cimmerillion is for all in because it was published after a kind of prequel, but in the Second Age, you learn you learn that of Melkor worship after the Quenta. So you, after you have met with all these characters, that's why I'm saying I'm not saying that it's bad or that they can. I'm just saying that, in my opinion, and that's what what, what I was going into, I would think it would be better for them to worship Sauron because we know we actually know Sauron who Sauron is, and we know we know the character he's hurt in all of these stories we at that point we would uh, we would we would know Celebrimbo, we would know Galadriel, we would, we, oh, we know Aragorn, Boromir, Gandalf, etc. And it would be more impactful in Maripolin that they turn to worship him than if they go to worship Melkor. Because Melkor Melkor is great. I love him. But for someone who doesn't who haven't who hasn't Yeah, yeah what, what, we, what did you say about worshiping an evil god? Yeah, I love I love <laughs> that guy. Great. <laughs> Satan, yeah, I, man. He's, he's, he's awesome. I love him. Yeah, Satan, yeah, what's up? I, um, I love him as a, as a villain, but compared yeah. to Sauron... See, <laughs> see but I, I, I kind of think that having Sauron push them to manip- to worship Melkor, who we already know from, you know, you know, from all these extra sources that Sauron had essentially rejected and viewed as a failure, just shows how manipulative this bastard is this bastard is and you know the good and i think it makes a key point why would the numenorians worship someone whose ass they just kicked you know in middle earth and brought him back as prisoner that just doesn't really make sense unless of course they choose to overhaul the story and make uh you know sauron conquers them yeah well remember i'm remember gonna, I'm gonna leave, make... we're gonna leave that discussion there now because i think we've covered most bases on so i think Andrew's talking about seeing sauron as um being worshipped and then then i think of course tolkien said it was actually milk worshipping so i think just to move on quickly now because we don't have long left i think actually as i'm showing on screen right now so for the actual show, the only confirmed um, actor who we know is playing a villain is Joseph Molly, and I showed the Deadline article up here. And a lot of people's reactions when they saw Joseph Marley playing the, quote, lead villain was, yeah, that could be Sauron, but isn't he over 50 years old? So, Nikki, as you're an actress as well, part-time, however... What's your initial views on maybe could they make Joe Smiley work as Anatar slash Sauron? Yes, I think so. That didn't sound convincing. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I've been thinking the whole, like the entire way. I've been thinking he would be the perfect Anatar. Um, 
he could play it. I think he could portray him really well, both when he's being deceptive and uh, has this air of just interestingness, and then, if that's even a word, <laughs> and then when he sort of gets gradually darker and darker and reveals his inner evil. Um, I think so, but he could also play a different villain. Like, I mean, yeah. he could play the witch king, he could play... There's so many potentials here. They haven't gone out with saying anything except the fact that he's a villain. So there are other other actors here as well that could potentially play him. So yeah, I feel I'm like just going to wait. It's because people have an, a vision in their mind of um, what Anatol would look like. Or... Like the perfect, he has to be beautiful. He has to have this type of golden. I know. I think Sol even mentioned earlier, red hair, etc. And people, when people first look at Joseph Marley, they'll be like, "Yeah, he, he might not fit all the boxes." But Hayne, I know you are. I uh, think you have to, you used to think about this a lot. What's your situation? What do you think the situation is around Joseph Marley? Will he be playing Anita Saron or will he be? Yeah, I think so. I think the issue with uh, with uh, with uh, with people not buying him as Anatar is this idea that Anatar is supposed to be, you know, this impossibly beautiful figure. Well, you know, Amazon can take those little bits of description and they can choose to respect them and they can choose not to. I think they're choosing not to, and I can see why. It's very difficult to have a character be this very prettified. Um, thing and also have him be menacing at some point during the story, um, you know. So I think they're going with a slightly older, a bit more skeletal-looking, um, um, authoritative Anatar. Actually, um, it's kind of like you know an evil Gandalf. Basically, that's what Anatar is. Yeah, and. Uh, that's and I think even from New Zealand, I think we're nearly two years in now, we still haven't really, actually no, about a year and a half, we haven't even got any pictures of Joseph Marley in New Zealand, have we? Unless I'm mistaken. So yeah. Oh. And then, but of course, um, of course, unfortunately Talking Tube isn't here to, um, to debate, because I know he really badly wants Maxime Baudry to play Anatar. But, so I'll put on screen right now a poll that I did just I think four hours before the start of this podcast, it's got. I mean, right now it has sixty-five votes, and forty-nine percent think Joseph Marley is going to play Anatar. Then second is Ismail Cruz Cordova with twenty-one point five percent. Then in third place, in sixteen point nine percent is Maxim Baudry, and then twelve point three percent. I think none of them are going to play it. So, I think um. I think it's been a running joke for a while now. If you had to have your perfect Anatar, who do you want the actor to be? And I'm sure Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be mentioned a few times. So yeah, starting off with um, Penguin. It's it's not funny when you make the joke. Uh, uh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I you know I mean. Uh, oh, that's still your joke. Maybe ten. Yeah, you did steal my joke. Thanks for thanks for nothing. Uh, <laughs> I would say maybe 15 years ago. Tom Hiddleston, but you know he's already basically done a very similar character in Loki, so we've seen that. In- uh, oh, you meant from the existing cast? Okay, yeah, I'm going to step out. I can't. No, no, you're, you're so. ideal. You're <laughs> ideal. 
anyone in the world, who would be your ideal Anatar? Well, in that case, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. that's a lot of people's um, ideal choice. Enzo? I don't have any choice. Like, I've got, I've got a, checkli- a checklist for how Anatar should look, but who should do it? I, Fine. I don't have Wait, any give us your checklist on how Anatar should look. Anatar should be someone whom only Galadriel, Gilgalad, and Elrond can say without uh, without uh, doubting that he is bad. That's the level. That's how, that's how good he he should see. Do you think um, Joseph Marley could portray that? <laughs> could he? Could he act that way? <laughs> could he act that yeah, way? Yeah, I maybe don't know. He can definitely yeah. pull it. Maybe his acting. Maybe his acting will hide will hide his. His face. He, he's good looking. He's good. He's not ugly by any means. Mm-hmm. But but he doesn't have that. Uh, let's say he, he isn't somebody who you see and you warm up to immediately. Yeah, Dorian. Like, who would you like to play Sauron? Any actor? Actor to play Sauron. Tommy Olsen. Joseph Molly. And also Joseph. Joseph too. Joseph Molly. You think he'd be good enough to be? Um, this Sauron slash Anatar figure, does he convince you as being one? With their careers, yeah. They, they've had a, a very well career through the years, and I think that they could pull it off if it's done well, yeah. Great. And um, Nikki? I don't really know. I've been trying to look up actors because I'm terrible with names um, to get some inspiration. I, I'm not really sure who my ideal, like, I don't know what I'm looking for. I, the reason why I've always said Joseph Moll could have the potential to be him is because I think he has the potential to be him. Um, we already know he can play a bad guy. Um, and I don't know, it's just a matter of hair and makeup and styling, you know? Uh, so I think he's a great choice. Apart from that, uh, can I come back to you? I'm just gonna do some research. I'm sure Hen has an idea. As to whether... Any, uh, any actor, any actor who you Um, want to play. I'm I'm fond of Benedict Cumberbatch. Not as much of Tom Hiddleston. Not as not as the villain that's meant to really be menacing. The villain who's kind of fun, sure. I'm glad I'm glad you're with me as a fellow Cumberbatch. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, someone else. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> in another age, Laurence Olivier would have been great, but today I'll put a picture uh, of him on screen for people who don't know who he is. So yeah. And then, um, I think there uh, is a possibility that Joseph Marley could potentially play the Witch King as well. And actually, before we end up, I want to I start something that's completely not relevant to this conversation. Is that Hobbits in the show? What's everyone's no. feelings on that? No. Oh. No, no. That's no. no. Three. Hey, Nikki. <laughs> no? No. They weren't even uh, in the second age. That would be weird. That's... This is a entirely different settings. This isn't the you know, why, why small. This isn't the small of the small and the weak. You know when the uh, stepping up when the strong failed. 
This is when, you know, they were, I mean, let's not forget, they were able to defeat Sauron several times conventionally, strength against strength. So this should be a very different type of story. And if they do include hobbits in this, I'd basically say, I, I mean, it would be one of those things that comes very close to making me say, peace out. They obviously don't know what they're doing here, so why should I stick around to see more? Yeah, be really... I don't think we, we I don't think we even need to explain why no. Do you imagine do you imagine Bilbo coming before Celebrimborn the <laughs> no. Maybe Potatoes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just think Ooh Archie, I've got another thing. Mama kills potential. There. Sure, yeah. Mama kills are cool. <laughs> the battles, sure. If they if they get that guy, that guy, that guy who wrote them in the movies, yes, I want them. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that dude was so was so <laughs> into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was so happy about it. <laughs> Listen, if you if you were riding a fifty foot tall elephant, you know, trampling the you know the armies of your enemy, you'd have that kind of smile on your face too. Obviously. He seemed really passionate mm-hmm. for his role there. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's only joy in their work, you know. Yeah, there is that other guy in the charge of the Rohirrim. You know, the one who, who oh, screams. Yeah, put that on screen as well. Oh yeah, he was. They were going crazy. So yeah, I think that just about does it. Really, I think unless I'm mistaken, we covered everything. Yeah, I think so. Cool, cool. Okay then. So first of all, I think that just wraps it up then. So. Thank you guys everyone for watching and of course to my lovely guests as usual and of course next episode is episode 10 and hopefully we'll be able to get a, a little mini special out for that one as well. But firstly thank you Ken. Oh thank you. Um, Thank you Dorian as well for coming on, really appreciate it. Thank you. And also as usual the returning much loved cult classic figure Penguin. To all my fans out there, thank you. I genuinely got people asking me, why is Penguin not on the podcast this week? But yeah, um, also thank you as always to Nikki. Thank you, and it's been you, fun. Did <laughs> you get an actor, or actress, by, uh, I mean actor for Saron in the meantime? No luck, no. Okay. Um, I, I don't know, I will, I will know it when I see him and I will announce when I know. <laughs> I'm gonna change my nomination to Nikki. Uh, you know, Sauron's got you know, Anatar's got to be sexy. Uh, has got to be seductive, charismatic, and Nikki. There you are. <laughs> wow! Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and just to wrap up, thank you to Enzo as well. Yeah, thank you. That's been a lot of voice. Yep. And I'm sure I'm probably going to be getting no messages of people missing talking tubes. I think that's fine as well. I'm only kidding. But thank you guys for watching. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the podcast, as I know a lot of you are, just please like and subscribe. But until the next one, my friends, goodbye.